Amen. You may be seated tonight. Good to see you here. What wonderful theology in the old hymns. Amen. Oh, my goodness. You can rest in that one in times like these. Good to see you here tonight on a very eventful day in our nation's history today. As we have obviously, has been mentioned many times, I was standing out back a moment ago listening to the conversation about uh, today being Inauguration Day and have a new president here in our country. And uh, what a place to be. I'd rather be in no other place than the house of God uh, in turbulent times. And uh, I'm like the other men who have already spoke before me tonight. I want you to be praying for our president. Uh, we are commanded by God to do that. And I want to assure you the best thing you can do is pray for our president. Amen? Pray that they'll be saved. I uh, said, well, how do you know that they're not saved? Well, just according to folks' testimony, all right? I pray everybody gets saved, amen? Uh, you kind of look at the fruit people bear. I just believe some folks just give all fruit whether they're saved or not. I think that's kind of biblical. And I think the best thing we could do is pray for our president tonight. And so I'm glad to be in God's house, and I hope you're glad to be in God's house. I couldn't help but think about Daniel all afternoon uh, and how the Bible told us that when Daniel knew the decree was signed, you know what that means? When everything was made official, everything was made official. You know what Daniel did? Daniel did exactly what he was doing to begin with. He prayed as he did aforetime. He was consistent in his faith, and he called out to God. And I know of nothing else. Here we are on this day where everything has now become official. Just be consistent in our faith, and let's call out to our God, and let's pray that our folks up there in Washington that are leading our country will get saved. Amen. That's the greatest hope for our country to begin with. And I figure if we had done our job doing a little bit more of that before now, we might not be in the shape that we are in. Uh, I do want to thank you right quick for your prayers and reaching out uh, concerning my mom. She is home. She'll be going back to the doctor tomorrow for some more test. Uh, they're trying to stay out of the hospital as long as possible. You know, obviously a lot of germs floating around right now, and they want to keep, the, keep away from that. Uh, they are looking at maybe a borderline stroke or a mini stroke. She has a little slurring in the speech today, and uh, she's a little wobbly in her legs. So pray for her that she'll get, uh, get back up to 100%. She naturally has thick blood, which throws a lot of clots. She's had several strokes, and uh, dad's kind of looking after her there. I talked to him just a moment ago. So I appreciate your prayers and continue to lift her up. And do want to encourage you, as was mentioned a moment ago, Friday will be the home Homegoing and celebration of the life of Brother Danny McNair. And I don't like using the word funeral, to be honest with you. Uh, for a child of God, the Bible says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And the Lord looked down, and uh, he took Brother Danny home. He got a promotion just the other day. And uh, Brother Danny's a part of that advanced team with Brother Roger. They're going up there, and they're kind of helping getting things together. Maybe he needed a good couple of men up there to help out and finish things up before he calls us home. And we're going to come and celebrate Friday to life with Brother Danny. And I want to encourage you to be here for that. I appreciate all the support that's gone out to the whole McNair family. Uh, but you come be a part of that in support of them as we celebrate the life and the wonderful testimony of Brother Danny. Amen. What a testimony. I believe it challenges all, us all. And should challenge us all uh, for the rest of our life. We'll talk a little bit more about that come on Friday. Let's take our Bibles out tonight. And appropriately, I think, what a, what a timely opportunity we have to go to the book of Lamentations. The book of Lamentations. I mentioned to you the other day that we were going to begin... Uh, going through the entire book of Lamentations. And it's not something I normally do. I've gone through pieces of books and chapters of books, but going through an entire book is not something I've ever really felt burdened to do. Uh, and yet this year we have. We began working on this a while back. And uh, how fitting that the Lord would have us start this tonight on a night where maybe we're lamenting a little bit. Maybe our hearts are broken. Now, folks, I'm not trying to be political tonight, all right? I'm not going to try to make our pulpit a political pulpit. Uh, I have disagreements with Washington, not politically, biblically, all right? 
I think our disagreements ought to be biblical disagreements before they're political disagreements. And most of my political disagreements go back to biblical reasoning. And the reason I have biblical disagreements is because obviously our current administration that's in Washington now has been very openly uh, not in favor of the things of God. They're not in favor of life. They're not in favor of the traditional home, nor Jerusalem or Israel. And uh, therefore, I have a problem with that. So we're going to pray for them. Uh, but we're going to learn a little bit tonight about some other folks who've gone through times like we are going through right now. Okay? Lamentations chapter 1. And we're going to begin in verse number 1. Read down to about verse 2 tonight. And I have two points for you. Uh, but I'm not going to try to squeeze it all in. I'm going to let the Lord lead us as we preach. And uh, if he only wants us to share one, we'll share one. And we'll pick up next week. Because we're going to be going through the entire book of Lamentations together. Obviously, you look in chapter number 5 down to verse 21. There's our theme verse for the year. Turn thou us unto thee, O Lord, and we shall be turned. Renew our days as of old. And we're going to be doing, looking in the book of Lamentations, is seeing why God's people were praying for renewal. And tonight, we should be praying for renewal. That's our theme this year. We're going to have it up in front of us all year long, be preaching about that. Uh, but we're going to go verse by verse through Lamentations, and I believe we're going to see basically like we're looking into a mirror. You read Lamentations, you're going to be hard-pressed not to see America uh, and many parts of the world as well. Lamentations chapter 1, verse number 1. The Bible says, How doth the city sit solitary that was, past tense, was full of people? Exclamation point. How has she become as a widow, she that was great among the nations? The Bible says, And princes among the provinces, how is she become tributary? Exclamation point. She weepeth sore in the night, and her tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she hath none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They are become her enemies. Let's read one more. Judah is gone into captivity because of affliction, and because of great servitude, she dwelleth among the heathen. She findeth no rest. All her persecutors overtook her between the straits. Now let's stop there. Let's pray together. Father, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to come to your word. Thank you, Lord, for it has something that's relevant to us right now, particularly in our church at this time in our country. And Father, we do lift our country up before you. We do lift our president up before you tonight. And we just pray, Father, that those that are lost, as we prayed for the past administration, Lord, that those that are lost would be saved, that we might have saved leaders that are leading by your spirit and by your word. Father, I pray you'd help us tonight, Lord, to do our part in praying for them. Help us do our part, Lord, most of all for our country by carrying the gospel to the lost, Lord, and helping truly reach the hearts of men and changing them, Lord, through the saving power of Jesus Christ. Help us tonight, Lord, learn from your word. Help us receive it, respond to it, and be changed by it, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Just the other day, as well as many times over the last few days, I have mentioned something that has resonated in my own heart. And the Bible says, out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks. And so it's something that I've been thinking a lot about lately. And it's a simple fact that I have yet to face anything in my life. I've yet to face anything in my entirety of my life, particularly the last year of my life, that I've not been able to go to the Word of God to find an answer for. And I mean that. I've yet to face anything as, as particular, as difficult as last year was and tumultuous as last year was. I'm, I've yet to go through anything that I've not been able to go to the Word of God and find an answer for. And I'm truly glad to be able to tell you tonight that when it comes to the Word of God, there are no unprecedented circumstances. 
Let that sink in, okay? When it comes to the Word of God, there are truly no unprecedented circumstances. You see, what do you mean? That means we're not going to go through something that the Word of God doesn't have a precedent for us to refer to on how we should respond to the circumstances that we're living in. We're going to do that here tonight as we look into the Word of God uh, concerning the circumstances we're living in right now. Now think about Psalms 119, 105. What does it say? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now what are both of those things talking about? The analogy is that it gives illumination in times of darkness. I mean, how valuable is a good flashlight? Amen? I I like having a good flashlight. I don't like walking in darkness. You get hurt walking in darkness. You can't accomplish anything in darkness. You can't find your way in darkness. It's good to have a good light. And the Bible says that the word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so as we go through darkened times and dim times and shadowy times where we can't find our way, we go to the Word of God that serves as the light for us to find our way. I used to tell our kids in our Wednesday night class, it said it's a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path. It shows us where we're at and it shows us where we're going. If you ever want to know where you're at and know where you're going, you go to the Word of God because it's a lamp unto your feet and it'll show you where you're at right now and it's a light into your path that'll show you the direction that you're heading. What is it doing? It's giving you your bearings. And the Word of God has something for us tonight as we look into this. Now, I want you to understand that the Word of God is the only true light. Got to understand that. When we push away from this, we only venture further into darkness. This is the lamp unto our feet and the light unto our path. And when you push away from this, you're only getting further into darkness, i.e. the United States of America. The further we have gotten away from this, the further we have gotten into darkness. Now, if you want to get back into the light, we must get closer to the word, which is that lamp and which is that light. Now, we are in definitely difficult and unusual circumstances, but I'm so thankful tonight to be able to say they're not unprecedented in the word of God. As a matter of fact, we read the book of Lamentations. We're going to try to go through it if the Lord will allow us over the next few weeks and months. And we're going to learn a lot about our country that was written thousands of years before our country was even a country. And although our times tonight are unusual, they're not unprecedented. Now, what we've got to do is be willing to learn from the past so we don't repeat it. Was that Benjamin Franklin who said that? You know, oftentimes those quotes kind of get misconstrued to different people. I think it was Benjamin Franklin says, if we don't learn from the past, we're destined to repeat it. And you know what the word of God is? It's a preserved past of people that were just like you and I. And if we'll learn from their past, we won't be destined to repeat that in our own life. Now, lamentation gives us a glimpse of a nation, of a group of people in the aftermath of their rejection of God. Okay? Now, this is important. It shows us what happens in vivid detail. The book of Lamentations is unbelievable because you get so many perspectives of exactly how this city fell and how this group of people were brought to their knees. And it's important we learn that because if we don't learn from it, we're going to follow in the same path and be in the need of renewal. My wife has a quote. I color-code my notes when I write out my notes. It's just the way I've always done it. And I color-coded this note in pink because it was my wife's quote. She said this years ago we were counseling with a teenage girl. And she says, you're going to learn from one or two ways. I wish I had to come up with this myself, but I have to give credit where credit is due. And she's not even in here tonight. She's in the nursery, isn't she? Tell her I bragged about her. My wife says there's two ways that you can learn. She told a teenage girl this. You can learn through instruction or you can learn through destruction but you're going to learn. 
In the book of Lamentations, we get to learn through the destruction of someone else. Now, why are they going through this destruction? Look, we're going to take our time tonight. I'm not going to preach long. If we get to the time where I think we need to cut it off, we'll just stop and we'll pick up where we left off uh, next week. Why do we have to go through these difficult times? Because the Bible says that he chastens those that he loves. Hebrews chapter 12. We're sons, and he loves us. We're sons and daughters of God, and, and God's not a bit deadbeat dead. And the Bible says, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. God's not going to let his children rebel very long. By the way, mom and dad, you shouldn't either if you love them. And we see God's love in the fact that he's chastising his people. I read this, uh, I read this today, very interesting. It's how we learn. We learn 1% through taste. Now, that may vary. I think for somebody like me, it probably is a little bit more than that. We learn 1% through taste, 1.5% through touch, 3.5% through smell. Unless you have COVID and you can't smell anything, so I guess it's kind of down on that. 11% through hearing, but listen to this, 83% through sight. We learn 83% of what we learn through seeing it. And as you read the book of Lamentations, God paints a beautiful picture of what happens when we leave him. I mean, it is so vivid in detail. Why? Because he knows we learn through seeing. But here's the problem. Oftentimes, we don't read the word of God and see what God wants us to see. I hope you're reading through your Bible calendars. I really do. I hope you're going through your daily calendar reading and you're reading through the Word of God. But I hope as you're reading, you're seeing what God wants you to see. Don't just fly through your reading. See what God wants you to see. Why? Because God wants you to learn something through that. I read a story a while back of two men that were sitting in a restaurant. There was a television on. There was a man standing on the 20th floor of a building on the newscast threatening to jump off. One of the men turned to the other guy and he says, I'll bet you $10 the guy doesn't jump. The guy says, it's a bet. A few minutes later, they're watching. The guy jumps off of the building. The guy says, okay, here's your $10. He said, I can't take your $10. He says, why? He says, that's actually a rerun of the news. I watched it earlier, and I knew he was going to jump. The other guy says, well, I saw that too. I, just think he, I didn't think he'd do it twice. Now, as crazy as that is, that's how we think oftentimes. Look, we have so many examples for us preserved in the Bible of what happens when we abandon God. We have too many examples of what happens when we drift and wander away from God and chase after vain things. We have too many examples of that, and yet we repeat it over and over and over again, and the outcome's going to be the same. Why? Because God's a just God. I'm thankful that he's a faithful God, and he forgives us from all unrighteousness, but there's a very important word in 1 John 1, 9. It's the word just. We serve a just God, and what happened to them is going to happen to us. Righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. That means if it happened to them, it's got to happen to us because God is a just God. And so tonight, we're going to begin looking at some lessons in Lamentations. Lessons in Lamentations. We're going to try to find some direction for the uncertain days that we're living in, and I'm going to try to give you two of them. Uh, but uh, looking at the time, I may only be able to give you one of them, okay? I'm not going to stretch it out to where I leave a bad taste in your mouth and you don't want to catch up next week, all right? So bear with me. Let's begin at the beginning, if we could. Lamentations. What is it about? It's really interesting when you look up the Hebrew word for lamentations, it's the word eka, E-K-H, and it means how. Now, as I study out these words, I'm trying to think to myself, why? I mean, that doesn't seem like it has a whole lot of meaning. Why would you name a book after the word how? There's a very important reason you need to know that. God gave us the book of Lamentations because he wants us to know how these people got in the shape that they're in. God says, I want you to know how and why they are lamenting and grieving. This is basically five chapters of an obituary. 
And God is spelling out exactly how a people and how a nation will be brought to its knees. And God says, I preserved all of the hows and lamentations so that you wouldn't make the same mistake. Now, folks, if we make the same mistake, it's on us. Why? Because God gave us a whole book of how to lose your country. Isn't it interesting how God did all of this? Really, really neat fact. If you look at chapter number one, there are 22 verses. You look at chapter two, there are 22 verses. If you look at chapter four, there are 22 verses. In chapter five, there are 22 verses. In chapter three, there are 66 verses. Really neat how God did this. God's showing us something. You need to look into this. There's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. Stick with me. And when you read chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 4, and chapter 5 in Lamentations, you'll find out that each verse begins with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. That's no mistake. That's on purpose. What is God doing showing us over and over and over again? He's showing us how this city was brought to their knees A to Z is what he's doing. All right? It's not A to Z in the Hebrew alphabet, but our alphabet will understand it. He's showing us from beginning to end exactly how this people was brought to their knees in chapter Number three, there's 66 verses. He repeats every letter three times. Three times in each verse, it's 22 times. God wants us to know in vivid detail how this city was brought to its knees. Now, let's look at the first thing, if we could, in verse 1. The Bible says, how doth the city sit solitary? Remember that word. That was full, past tense, of people. How has she become as a widow? Three words or three phrases I want you to notice. The word solitary... The phrase was full, and in the word widow. The first lesson in Lamentations is this, number one. It's the lesson of loneliness. Watch closely what he's saying about this city. It sits solitary. The Bible says it was full of people. The Bible says she's become as a widow. The first lesson of Lamentations God wants us to learn is the lesson of loneliness. He said, I want you to look at this city that used to be full of people. It was a bustling city. I mean, it was the epicenter. It was a city where people would come and go. I mean, it was that city on a hill, and now it sits lonely. Why? Because God's no longer there. Now, this is very important. I want you to remember this tonight. The irony of those that desire to live without God is simply this. They're forced to live with the consequences of getting what they wanted. The irony of those who desire to live a life without God, listen, is the fact that they have to live with the consequences of getting what they wanted. Can I tell you, you don't always need to get what you want. I remember a time when I was a kid, I wanted a pair of cowboy boots. I went through that phase as a nine-year-old child. Never went through it again. It didn't look good on me. I mean, I mean, you see me at VBS, you know, I got big old ears. It just, you know, it never worked out for me, but I did want a pair of cowboy boots. I went to the store, and my mom and my grandmother was in there, and I said, well, I'd love to have those boots. My mom says, no, uh, just save your money, save your money. And I said, oh, I really want those boots. It's one of the few times that I can ever remember being a bad kid, all right? I can probably count on one hand. No, not really. And I just wanted, mom says, no, wait till later, wait till later. I said, no, mom, I want those boots. I want those boots. I said, I want to spend my money on those boots. Mom says, okay, fine, go ahead and buy the boots. And I got them. Later on, I remember asking my mom, mom, why didn't you want me to get those boots? She says, well, your grandmother wanted to get you those for your birthday. And you wouldn't listen. So finally, I let you get what you wanted. You know, I hated those boots. Hated those boots. My grandmother would die not too many weeks later after that. Hated those boots. 
Why? I wanted it, I wanted it, I wanted it, and I tried to be convinced by my mother that I didn't need what I wanted, but I got what I wanted in the end. I didn't want it anymore. Now, folks, can I tell you what's happening to Jerusalem? They got what they wanted. What do they want? They want to be a city without God. They didn't want God. They didn't want God governing them. They didn't want the constraints of living by the word and the will of God. And finally, they got exactly what they want. They got the loneliness that comes along with a people that has rejected God. Now, folks, God wants us to know how we become spiritually lonely. Remember the word how? God wants us to know how we get there. And the way that we get there is we reject God. That's a sure enough path to loneliness spiritually. Jeremiah chapter 2, I want you to turn there with me. Mark Lamentations 1 and turn back to Jeremiah 2. What is Jeremiah about? Well, Jeremiah is talking pre-invasion of what's going to happen. Watch what he says in chapter 2 in verse number 1. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I remember thee. The kindness of thy youth, the love of thine espousals, when thou, listen close, wentest after me. Jeremiah is preaching on the front end of destruction. He says, hey, I remember when you used to chase after me, and you used to love me, and you used to want me. Watch what it says, in the wilderness, in a land that was not sown. Israel was holiness unto the Lord, and the firstfruits of his increase. All that devour him shall offend. Evil shall come upon them, saith the Lord. Verse 4. Hear ye the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all families of the house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, What iniquity have your fathers found in me that they are gone far from me? Notice what happened. Jeremiah is begging them. He says, Listen, stick with the one. Listen, what does the old phrase say? Dance with the one that brought you. All right? He's the one that brought you out of Egypt. He's the one who carried you through the wilderness in a land that was not sown. Stick with him. I remember when you used to walk with me. He says, don't become lonely. And yet they didn't listen, did they? And now they sit in Lamentations chapter number one, solitary, which was full of people. And now they sit as a widow. I want you to notice a few things. Stay right there in Jeremiah. I want you to notice a few things. When you keep reading in chapter 2, you're going to see some very specific things. Verse 7, the Bible says, And I brought you into a plentiful country to eat the fruit thereof. Does this not sound like America? I mean, I brought you into a plentiful country to eat the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof. But when you entered, ye ye defiled my land and made mine heritage as an abomination. Now, here's what I want you to notice. Notice the providence of God is gone. It's gone. Jeremiah says, turn back to God or you're going to lose it. Lamentations, they sit solitary. All of that is gone. You see, when you kick out God, you kick out his providence. We all want to keep the providence of God. And we want God to give and we want God to bless. But we want all the blessings of God without God. I hate to tell you this, they're a package deal. They come together. Now, folks, tonight, if we want the providence of God again, we've got to make sure we bring God right back into the center of our lives again. Why? Because that's where it came from to begin with. We keep reading in chapter 2. We see the prosperity has gone. We see their peace is gone. What's very, very sad is when you keep on reading down to verse number 9, it says, Wherefore, I will yet plead with you, saith the Lord. You see the mercy of God, how he pleads with his people. And he begs his people, please don't. Please don't. And yet when we move away from God and chase after vain things, we lose the prosperity, 
We lose the peace of God. We lose the providence of God. And then finally, God quits pleading with us. That's a scary place. I told you on our Vision Sunday, I can't tell you if we're there yet in America. I hope God may use this time of inhospitality to Christians that we're about to go through to move us back to him. I hope it's not too late. But understand this, sooner or later, you're going to get what you want. And when you want, to want God to quit pleading with you, God will quit pleading with you. And it's a scary day when God quits knocking on your heart's door for either salvation or repentance. Can I ask you this? Where did the prosperity go? Where did the peace go? Where did the pleading go? They left with God. They left with God. Those things belong to God. And therefore, when God is no longer in the picture, those things, I see people, they say, well, I'm just suffering through this and I'm suffering through that. We're talking about oftentimes things that are brought about in the absence of God in their life. All right? Oftentimes the symptoms of what a lot of people are suffering with are just symptoms that go back to the root problem that they have evacuated God from their life. And when God left, he took his prosperity. And when God left, he took his peace. And when God left, he took his pleading. And now all of a sudden we see a city that is sitting in shambles as in lamentations. So the first lesson is this. Get this tonight as we introduce this new series. The first lesson of lamentations is it gets lonely without the Lord. They're lonely. They sit, what does the Bible say? They sit solitary. It was full of people. And she's become as a widow. What happened? They kicked out God. I assure you tonight, the quickest way to become spiritually lonely is to leave God behind. I want you to notice, God did not leave them. God is where he always was. I saw a commercial years ago. I wish I could find it. You didn't think you'd find anything on the internet, but you can't find it. And it says, you ever feel like there's a distance between you and God? You ever feel like God's far away? At the end of the commercial, it says, guess who moved? What a truth. God didn't leave them. They left God. And they're complaining about the prosperity being gone and the peace being gone. And they're complaining about the providence being gone. But all of that left with God because it's a package deal. And the lessons of lamentations that he wants us to know tonight is it gets real lonely when you live without the Lord. How many people have said in my office over the years, uh, oftentimes even in my own life, it gets lonely. Why? Because we walk away from God. I'm going to give you a contrast right quick. Psalms 23, we know it well. Verse number 4. We read about David where David says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Sounds like bad circumstances, yes? Walking through the valley of the shadow of death, that's, that's worse than some of the bad parts of town. I mean, walking through the valley of the shadow of death doesn't sound like a good thing. And yet David says, I will fear no evil. It almost sounds like David has peace, does it not? I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, and I'm not fearful. I fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. David says, I'm sticking with you. And I'm going through uncertain times and scary times, and I'm on the bad side of town. But guess what? I fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. And yet, we contrast that with Proverbs 13, 15. The Bible says, the way of the transgressor is hard. What is a transgressor? We've all been there at least once in our life, I assure you. Transgression is when we walk away from God. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. Now, contrast that with David said, I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, and I'm fearing no evil. David says, I have peace. Why? Because I'm with you. And this guy over here says, it's hard. Why? Because he's not with him anymore. So many of the the ills that plague our society 
are just symptoms of the fact that we have rejected and walked away from God. I, would, I wish we could get somebody brilliant in this room tonight to break down the finances on a pie chart and show how much of the budget of the United States of America is funding unrighteousness. It'd blow your mind. Do you know how low your taxes would be tonight if people were just right with God? Not joking. Now we're talking about money. Everybody's perking up now. It would lower your taxes to win this city and this state and this country to Christ. All right? If that's what it takes, I'm willing to go with it tonight. All right? If it means a lower tax line for you, you got to realize tonight that so much of what we're paying for in our country all goes back to the root of unrighteousness that we're trying to do things without God. And it's expensive. And it leads to loneliness. The Bible says she is sitting solitary. I read this afternoon. I don't know that I've ever compared these two chapters in Mark, Mark 5 and Mark 7 together. Mark chapter 5, uh, Christ uh, saves the demoniac of Gadara. Remember the wild man? He gets saved. He's found sitting clothed in his right mind. And all the city comes out. And all the city looks at him and they're thinking, whoa, what happened to him? And what did the Bible say in Mark chapter 5? The Bible says they wanted Christ to leave. Go. Go. It's amazing when you go back to Mark chapter 7. The Bible says, and again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, he came into the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coast of Decapolis, Gadara, and they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they beseech him to put his hand upon him. The same people that begged him to leave is now begging him to stay and begging him to work. Is that not a picture of us? How often do we not want God? We don't want you here. Don't mess with my life. I've got it the way I want it. I'm doing what I want. I'm working where I want, making the money that I want. And if I include you, you may mess up my grand plan for life. Because I'm going to serve God after I get all this money in the bank, and then I'm going to serve God because I'm going to have the freedom to do that. No, you will not. More money just means more toys to pay for, and you need more money to pay for more toys. I've seen it a million times. Here's these people pushed Christ out, and now they're begging him to come back. At least they had enough sense to beg him to come back. Folks, what I wonder tonight is what it's going to take for America, who has pushed him away and pushed him off of our coast, to beg him to come back and heal the needs. You know what I think it's going to take? Loneliness. We're going to have to get lonely in America. We're going to... Historians tell us Jeremiah wrote this sitting up against the wall of the city. He's looking into the city, and he sees the empty streets that were once bustling with people. He sees the stores that are ransacked and burned. He sees the town that he loves sitting in, in shambles, and he's sitting there in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God writing out what he's seeing. And we're going to see it in great detail. And the city is sitting there lonely. Finally, what do they do? Chapter 5, our theme verse, they cry out for what? Renewal. But they had to get lonely first. Can I ask you something tonight? Could we be willing to learn the first lesson of Lamentations, and that's the lesson of loneliness before we get lonely? Do we have to get to the place where we sit solitary and we're just waiting on God to come back to our country and the hand of God to work through our country? Does it take that for us? God says, I gave you a whole book of hows. 
I showed you every way you could bring your country to your knees. Now learn from their mistake or else we will follow in the path of Jerusalem and we will find ourselves lonely, crying out to God, begging God to return to this place because we pushed him away from our coast and we wanted him to come back and heal. Do you know what the prodigal son was learning there in the mire and the clay? He was learning the first lesson of lamentations, the lesson of loneliness. I can guarantee you the friends that helped him spend his inheritance were not in the mud with him. I can guarantee you those who live riotously with him, spending the money, having a good time, parting there in the far country, I guarantee you he, they were not there with him in the mud. He was all by himself learning the first lesson of lamentations, the lesson of loneliness. And sometimes we have to get to the place where we're all alone before finally we look up and say, I will arise and go to my father's house. He got lonely enough. I think about old Jonah. Years ago, I noticed something really neat. Jonah chapter 1, verse number 1, word number 1 is the word now. Jonah chapter 2, verse number 1, word number 1 is the word then. A lot can happen between now and then, can't it? That was a good one. I didn't steal that from nobody. By the way, I've never stole a message from anybody. (laughs) A lot can happen between now and then. Oh, Jonah, look, God calls out to Jonah, I want you to rise, I want you to go preach. Jonah says, nope. Jonah says, I want to get away from you. And so Jonah got what he wanted. He got away from God. And finally, he got alone. I mean, look, when you're in the belly of a whale, you're alone. At least you better hope you are. It's going to get worse real quick. It's not like Pinocchio. You know, we watch Pinocchio, and he's down there fishing inside. It wasn't like that. Some of you folks are thinking, you know, that wouldn't be too bad. Sitting there on an old sunken ship inside, was it Bruno? Was that his name? Bruno the whale, the big whale that was in there. And they're just fishing, you know. It's not like that. It doesn't smell good. There's no candles down there either like on Pinocchio. You're all by yourself. And finally, chapter number two of Jonah, he says he cried out to God. Why? He was tired of being lonely. He got to the place where he got what he wanted, pushing God away, and he was solitary. The Bible says to become as a widow. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18. Listen to what the Bible says. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. I think we joke at each other once in a while and call each other ignorant. I've been called ignorant a few times by some of you, probably. I just didn't know it. I want you to think about the root word of the word ignorant. The Bible says, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18. Being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. The root word of ignorance is the word ignore. All right? Sometimes we attribute the word ignorance to people that don't know something, but oftentimes ignorance is the simple fact of ignorance. Okay? We don't know because we didn't want to know. Okay? Every once in a while, I'll get the opportunity to cook at our house, and I just don't like reading instructions. I'm an American man. I don't need to do that. Okay, so I'm just going to figure it out, and I'm going to look at the pictures. I see two eggs on the box of brownies. I see a little bit of oil, a little bit of water. Yeah, we got that. Get them made, and they didn't rise. You kind of have to cut them with a bread knife, one of the serrated ones, or break out the electric knife. Look, you shouldn't have to cut brownies with an electric knife. What happened? Man, I messed it up. Do you know why I messed it up? Because I ignored the instructions that were there. The knowledge that was needed to pull off the product and the way it should have been pulled off were there, but I ignored them. 
Now watch, God's given us the instructions on how to become lonely, to how to sit solitary. And I assure you, if we don't learn the lesson, then we're going to follow in the footsteps of Jerusalem. We sang Rock of Ages a moment ago, a very fitting song, because I read a story about the author of that today, Augustus, is it Top Lady? Is that how you pronounce that? Augustus Top Lady. I didn't know if I'm pronouncing that right or not. And I was reading her last, or her or him? There. Neutral. We are in 2021. Their last words. I have a book by Herbert Lockyer called Last Words of Saints and Sinners. I dare you to read it. Last Words of Saints and Sinners by Herbert Lockyer. You get to read the last words, dying words of Christians and dying words of atheists. I would read the atheist ones while it's daylight because they're terrifying to read. One of the last words that I read, I've written the book, read the book many, many times, was by uh, the author of Rock of Ages. Here's where their last words were. Oh, what delights. Who can fathom the joy of the third heaven? The sky is clear. There is no cloud. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Laying there on their deathbed, man, they're excited, looking forward to where they're going. I mean, they're just excited about it. They're ready to go, ready to get out of here. But I want to read you the last words of Voltaire. Many of us know him, the famous French atheist. His last words were, I am abandoned by God and man. I will give you half of what I am worth if you will give me six months of life. Then I shall go to hell. You know what that is? Loneliness. The ultimate eternal loneliness of dying without God. We read one who's excited and looking forward. You know why? They're not alone. They're fixing to take the hand of their Savior and go spend eternity in the presence of God. They're excited about it. They're, listen, they're not lost. We haven't lost them. We know where they're at. Our dear men that have gone on to be with the Lord lately, we haven't lost anybody. God knows where they're at and they're with him. What a wonderful peace there must be knowing you're not alone at that moment of your life and yet there are some who leave this life alone without Christ. Why? Because they've rejected God. They didn't learn the lesson of lamentations. Lou Wallace was a military general. He's also a literary genius. Set out to destroy Christianity by his own testimony. I will destroy it. He called it a myth, and he says, I'm going to study and wipe out this myth of Christianity once and for all where people quit talking about God and Christ and all the power and all of those things. So he's going to write a book on it. Here is his exact words. After six years given to the impartial investigation of Christianity as to its truth or falsity, I have come to the deliberate conclusion that Jesus Christ was the Messiah of the Jews, the Savior of the world, and my own personal Redeemer. Listen closely. While writing the second chapter of his book, he suddenly found himself on his knees crying out, my Lord and my God. You go on to read it. He was tired of being lonely. Oh, this life is lonely without God. Where would we be the last year if we didn't have God? Where would we be without the comforter that was mentioned a moment ago, that sweet Holy Spirit of God to walk with us and to guide us through the last year of all that we went through? Where would we be without that? I tell you where we'd be, lonely solitary and miserable. Do you know what Lou Wallace would go on to do? He would go on to write Ben-Hur. I mean, one of our favorite movies, right? The chariot scene, Ben-Hur. Some of you kids are like, what? You have to watch it. It's a good one. What happened? It was the result of somebody who got tired of being lonely. 
In spite of his desire to do away with Christianity and to prove it as a falsity, he found out that it's lonely without God and he bowed down on his knees and cried out for God. Why? Because after a while, you will get tired of being lonely. But here's what we've got to do tonight. I'm going to give you this one point and I'm going to stop there. We've got to get tired of being lonely before we get lonely. We need to go through what we've been going through and realize, oh, this is terrible without God and cry out to God before we get to that solitary place. Lamentations chapter 2, we read the Bible says there was none to comfort her. None to comfort her. I have to tell you what a blessing it is to see the McNairs here tonight and uh, the family here tonight. And what a blessing it's been for me as a pastor to sit back and watch the love of our church to members of our church. It's just been a blessing to watch. People have called my phone, texted my phone, messaged me through Facebook. What can we do? What can we do? What can we do? Everybody want to do something. It's just comforting, isn't it? Not to be alone in difficult times like this. And it's wonderful that we have that through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But we will get to a place one day as a church and as a country where if we don't put God right smack dab in the center of everything where he belongs, we're going to push him away and push him away and we're going to get what we wanted. We'll have a country without God. And there's no comfort in a city where God is not there. So tonight, can I tell you what the first lesson of Lamentations is? It's a lesson of loneliness. God says, I want you to learn how Lamentations, Eka, how, how these people became lonely and sit solitary and the city that was bustling is now empty. How did they get that way? They tried it without God. They tried it without God. And folks, tonight God wants us to learn. Can I tell you this? The lessons of Lamentations, they're not just for a country. They're for a church. Do you know there's churches tonight that are trying it without God? Do you know that? There's churches who think we can create the show and the emotion and the feelings, and that'll replace God. No, it won't. I watch their families, and I watch their homes. They go down the tube just like the world's families. Why? Because you can't make it without God. What does he say in John 15? The branch can do nothing outside of the vine. You can't. You're just a dead stick waiting to be thrown into the fire. The lesson of loneliness, folks, this is for our church. This is for our families. I know a lot of families tonight, they're lonely. Why are they lonely? Because God's not where he belongs. And when God's not where he belongs, you become solitary. You become as a widow, the Bible says. So tonight I want our heads bowed and eyes closed. We're going to stop right there. I'm not going to go 